Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. from the WTAF of This Country podcast. I really enjoyed it. If you love that podcast, try our new one, where Pavo... You have to find out about me. And Neil... As you may know, I'm not always the most macho of men. Chat about everything. everything. Are you going to please everybody? I don't think you are. Join us every Wednesday for some fun topical chat where we ask the hard-hitting questions. How do I take my tea? Where we reminisce about days gone by. What is my most embarrassing moment? Would it be soiling yourself somewhere? (laughs) It is, actually. (laughs) Where we give you, the listener, the chance to learn all about us. When you get an ear infection, if you remember, you're sick. You don't even need... That's not Liverpool. (laughs) Sick. 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 Please download, subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms. Thanks for noticing. Pavo and Neil. Chat about everything. everything. Yeah, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 I like that one. Good evening, everybody. This is Terry, live from the Bowls Club, to say what the actual fuck. See you and on. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to another episode of WTF of This Country podcast. First, he's the man who has never vaped, never got his Saved by the Bell characters mixed with his Grease characters, and knows where his crumpet holes are. It's Neil. All of that is completely true. Is it? Actually, I have had a puff on a vape before now. Have you? Well, only because they smell so damn delicious. Do you think so? Yeah, some of them do, and I wanted to know what it was like. You always want to know what it's like to smoke a strawberry? No, just to have a taste. Oh. Oh, we'll just have a strawberry then. 
Well, you know. Why have you got to take it in smoke? Less calories. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our superfan guest this episode is a writer, journalist, and a man after our own hearts, as his profile says on Guardian.com, that he lives in North London and commutes to a shed at the bottom of his garden. He writes about pop culture and nerdy geek stuff. He really is living the dream. It's Michael Hogan. Hello, sir. Hi. Hello. I've never vaped. No, and so you shouldn't. I think it's a terrible thing to do. <laughs> is it bad for you, then? Well, I think so. It must be, mustn't it? It's got well, I thought the whole idea was to come off of the cigarettes and smoke a vape because it wasn't so bad for you. And there was this big argument that one sector say, no, it's fine, and then one sector say, no, it does do damage. Because it's only water vapour, isn't it? I wouldn't know. I think, but aren't you still ingesting the kind of various carcinogens from the smoke? I don't... I, I mean, I think... I think part of the thing here is no one really knows yet. It's so new exactly. that no one knows it. I'm, I'm going to go with my learned colleague here because he said carcinogens. So that sounds, <laughs> that sounds so much better than anything I could have said in an argument. So we're going with that, and that is okay. the law. Okay. Even though I'm not really sure what it means. <laughs> I will... But you said it with such conviction that I would have believed that that's what it means. <laughs> I will detox myself from now on. So you should. I've only ever done it once. Okay, all right. This isn't confessions. We're supposed to be talking about Oh, yeah, sorry, country. Michael. <laughs> I feel bad now. Yes. So, Michael, we'll start with a question that we normally start and ask our super fan friends. Um, where did you find out about this country, first of all? Well, and, and this make, will make me sound like a sort of, um, you know, a media twat, but a, a, a lady from the BBC uh, let me know about it because she thought I might like it. Um, this is before it aired. Um, and I must confess, I didn't like it very much to start with. Oh, right. Um I kind of I watched, so I watched the first episode on on this nice girl called Harriet Murdoch who works at BBC. She does she does lots of um, she does publicity for all the comedy there, um, and she's got very good taste and she normally knows you know what journalists like and stuff. And she said, "Watch this, you'll love it." And I watched episode one and I sort of I did quite like it, but I kind of I don't know. I'm trying to think. I sort of felt it at the time it was a bit derivative. I, it, it reminded me of like The Office a bit too much. And, um, you know, even to the extent where, uh, you know, the Curtin character was like, I was like, oh, God, that's just Gareth from the office, even looks like him. <laughs> and I had a bit, I know, and I had a bit of a cob on about it. And so I kind of, and so I sort of replied to Harriet at the BBC and said, look, I quite like it, but it, I'd give it three stars out of five. I didn't love it. And so I, I don't think I'm going to write about it yet. And I kind of slightly regret that now because, um, yeah, I grew to absolutely love it later and slightly regretted my original knee-jerk reaction. So how long into the series did it take you to learn to love it? Or um, Not long, actually, probably. I probably, probably by about episode three, I realised that um, it's sort of grown on me. I, th I think, but I'm, I'm trying to think, what, but, I mean, the first episode is the Scarecrow competition one, right? Yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. And and I, I don't know, I, something about that, I don't know, I, I, it's sort of... Often, I don't know if you, you find the same, but often the first episode of a comedy isn't that good because there's so much introductory work to do and they have to sort of set up the situation and introduce all the characters. And you'd often find that episode two or three with a new comedy is better than episode one. It's still a strong episode looking back, but I don't know. I, it just didn't grab me straight away. And mm. um, it, it sort of, it was a bit of a slow burner for me. It is strange because that's that's a fan podcast. Isn't it? Yeah. That is, <laughs> you're not the first person to, to make that argument about the fact that people were turned off from the first episode because Curtin looks like Gareth and it's done mm. in the same style as The Office. Mm. It's mm. it's very strange that you that you you sort of pick up on that. But um, 
Did you? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you know, I, I, I'm not so sort of pompous that I'm I, I'm not one of those people who can admit they're never wrong because you know I I gave them. Um, I remember I I I was quite notoriously amongst some of my friends. I gave um, OK Computer by Radiohead a very bad review because right. <laughs> because it, it didn't sort of grab me to start with, and, it, and I later regretted that too. Mm. But I think yeah, some some companies that you just have to sort of learn to love i think sometimes you know you get to know the characters and the and the the sort of mood and the pace of them kind of filters into you eventually and then suddenly you realize three episodes four episodes in that you absolutely love it and i think that's what happened for me in this country so like you said just a minute ago that you wish from the start that you'd sort of got on board is as your job is that mm. the sort of thing that you do, sort of like you live and die by some of your reviews, or are you, able, are you able to take things back a little bit sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. Um, I mean, not many, not often have I really regretted something. I, but you know, I what one thing I don't like is certain reviewers in in every sphere, TV and film and music and stuff. They 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 kind of give a middling review to everything. Right, because they're kind of slightly scared of sticking their necks out one or the other. Do you know what I mean? Like everything's three stars out of five, and you know, and and I, I kind of I like to be a bit more interesting than that sometimes. And, and I, you know, I, I like to give things five stars if I like them, and one star if I hate them, just because I think it, it makes life more interesting, both for you writing it and for people reading it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I kind of. I don't know. Yeah, this country, it, 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 as I say, it, it took took me a few episodes, but honestly, it's it's one of my favourite things now. And I and I and I kind of, I kind of understand. I don't I don't think that that stupid Michael was wrong. I just think that that Michael was maybe being a bit harsh on it, or was maybe in the wrong mood, or maybe maybe it did. Maybe there isn't a great first episode. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it's a great first episode? I think it's a strong opening episode. I think you're quite right in what you're saying. Um, sometimes the comedy in a, in a sitcom gets diluted because you need to build the characters and, you know, you put all the groundwork down for the rest of the series. So it, ooh, it's ooh. not my favourite episode, but I think it's a strong one. That was the thing that, yeah. that struck me. I completely agree with you. There's, there's so many um, comedies that I love that I, I, I will, if I binge watch them again i leave the la the first episode out because yeah. it's not a good but for some reason i always thought this country had one of, it was one of the the best opening episodes of a series it's not the best episode of the show mm. yeah but in concerns yeah. it's a, a it's just a like well, like you say it's a very strong for me first episode yeah but i can see the other side of the argument i can see how people would look at it and go it's just a rip-off of The Office. They've even got somebody there that looks like somebody from The Office. <laughs> uh, we had a massive Twitter beef with somebody, um, oh, going back a few months, that, that somebody said that exact same thing. It said that they'd watched, f I think, five minutes of it and never gave it a chance and said, I'll never watch it again. What a load of rubbish. And then all the This yeah, Country yeah. fans just piled on and said, you've got to give it more you know, more chance. But it's like, and again... Tough, it's I think, with, with sort of social media culture, I think, you know, if you talk to people who kind of make stuff, you know, writers and producers and directors and performers, people just haven't really knee-jerk reactions nowadays. Like, yeah. they, they, ha they sort of decide they hate something within minutes. You know, that, that just didn't happen no. before. You know, no. There'd be, like, you know, four channels, and you kind of, you'd watch, you might watch a whole series of something, not liking it, particularly in the old days. But now it's like, I love it, I hate it, you know, straight away. It's kind of a strange, kind of polarised culture now and you i mean you even see that with things like game of thrones at the moment it's like seems to be like half the world are obsessed with it and the other half are 
getting on the high horse saying, I've never watched it. I, heard I know. I was yeah. watching, I was seeing that last week on, on Twitter and, and it seemed to be this massive thing that one person put up saying, I've never seen Game of Thrones. And all of a sudden, all these people come out of the woodwork going, yeah. I haven't seen it either. I haven't seen it either. Like, it's a badge of honour. Like, so what? Shut up. Yeah. You don't need to hear from you. Exactly. Well, if you don't fun. like it or you've never seen it, fine. But all the people over here, the millions <laughs> that love it, yeah, Love it. Yeah, so yeah. just it's it's but like you anything. you find that anyway, like you said on social media, that as soon as something seems to become successful, or very popular, there becomes a movement to be anti that. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, see what I mean? Uh, I've started to notice it about Avengers as we're speaking now, the End Game. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are now starting to come out and diss this, mm. and I think it's because yeah. it is so popular. And they, they it's think... kind of a British thing as well. I think we've always done that. We we like to sort of knock things down and build them up. We, we hate people getting too big for their boots. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. It's like the sort of tabloid culture would be like someone gets famous enough, let's let's expose them or, or take them down a peg or two. And and I think there's a combination of that. And I think with things like Avengers and Game of Thrones, there's a lot of snobbery there, isn't there as well? It's yeah. like you know, I, people like define themselves by being above superheroes or above fantasy. Because yeah. they, you know, oh no, I'm Radio Four and Scandinavian <laughs> subtitle drama. Yeah, um, and, and so there's a lot of snobbery there. But anyway, yeah, this country is, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. If if you'd have been monitoring social media reaction as the first episode went out, I bet the first five ten minutes would have been quite negative. Like, you know, the the, the minute you get a kind of shot of a guy with a skinny guy with blonde curtains talking to camera in a mockumentary format. Everyone's going to go. Oh, this is an office ripoff. Yeah, you know, I'm watching. Do you know what I mean, I, I, I'd be interested to rewind social media and see what people were saying in that first five minutes. Mm. So obviously, you fell in love with it, and then series two was released. Did you? Did it grow that love for the series? Yeah, series? yeah, and it's sort of still growing. Really, it's like I, I, I sort of enjoy every episode more than I did the previous one, and even the, you know, the the the, the special, um, I thought was amazing last year. It's kind of, you know. I, it's one of those things that, yeah, I just absolutely love it more and more all the time. And the more I, you know, I've rewatched that in episodes and the more I see clips on YouTube and on social media and stuff, I kind of, yeah, I, I can't stop laughing now in a way that, <laughs> that maybe just for the first 10 minutes I, I was slightly sneering. I mean, I didn't think it was bad, don't get me wrong. I, I, I As I say, I would, I, would, I would have given it three stars and sort of, sort of said it was really good, sort of, um, you know, first attempt but a bit derivative is probably the broad strokes of the review that I would have given it. Um, but yeah, by, uh, you know, within mere weeks, I was falling off my chair laughing and, um, and you just, you know, I think it's the subsidiary characters as much as anything uh, people like, you know, people like big man kind of come into it more as it goes on. And, and, and she's obviously amazing. I bet she's loads of people's favorite character. I know mm. you you must ask people that. Um, and, you know, you get to know people like, sort of Len in the village and he becomes quite a sort of, you know, bittersweet, tragicomic kind of character. And the relationship between Kerry and Curtin is extraordinary. And and the relationship between Kerry and her dad is extraordinary. And I, I just don't think, you, you know, you don't get that. You wouldn't have guessed that, a lot of that stuff from the opening episode. Mm. So have you got a favourite uh, episode and a favourite series? Well, uh, probably series two, but, I, but then, you know, then I, I think about some of my favourite moments are things like the oven space one, and which is kind of halfway through series one, I think, isn't yeah. it? And, and, um, and uh, but then, yeah, I think that's sort of the real sweet spot for me was the sort of 
the, not the very start, but episodes like two, three, and four of series two, I would say is the kind of, for me, the kind of golden sort of era of this country. Mm. That's not too stupid to say about something that's only got whatever, 13 episodes. Because mm. you get the, there's the one, there's the, the threatening letters episode, which is extraordinary. And, and, and just Kerry is just hilarious in that episode, I think. Just just her face throughout the entire episode. The <laughs> idea that someone someone out there is kind of having these sort of thoughts about her and the look of bafflement and on her face, I just think is genius. And I, I, I actually, you know, that being like a chronic, awful name dropper, I, I interviewed Daisy Maykeeper. I, I was for The Observer a while ago. And and she was talking about the episode. And this, this is before series two started, so I hadn't seen it. I didn't know what she was talking about. But she said there's a bit in the new series where it's like someone fancies Kerry in a weird way. Someone fancies Kerry, and Kerry just cannot wrap a tiny brain around this fact that anyone <laughs> would attracted to her. And she says because she's kind of she's sort of, and I th- she, I've written it down. Actually, she said she's kind of asexual, like a slug or a buffalo. Sort of about a version of herself as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant thing to say. I didn't know buffaloes were asexual. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, they are, but I know what she means. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's that is. I was saying that is the 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 beauty of that character is that she's she is innocent. She has this bravado that she wants to go around and and smack everybody and and just be this complete terror. But she's just got this naivety to her when it comes to we've said before, isn't it? When it comes to anything sort of sexual. She's got. N- it goes completely over her head. She's got yeah, no idea yeah, about it. Yeah, there's something so sweet and lovable about that, isn't there? And 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 the way, I guess, the relationship with the dad's a bit like that as well because she's so sort of naive. It takes her so long to see what a monster he is, mm. and it's kind of heartbreaking. Mm. But but also, you know, there's something really optimistic about that. You know, she's really so sweet natured. She kind of she's determined to see the good in him, even when he's being an kind of utter nightmare to her and 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 i think yeah and, and, and there's that as well isn't it i think that's that's really comes out in series two with the you know the flight simulator and the uh, is that series two and the no, caravan series one, wasn't it? that's series one yeah that's peeping was, tom yeah and I, and I love the tk max trip yeah because <laughs> you know my my um my family is slightly obsessed with tk max and that, that's yeah. and that made us laugh and uh yeah, uh, uh, I, yeah, it's all good, isn't it? Really, I mean, it's really hard. There's, there's not been a duff episode, I don't think. No, no, I, I would agree. Are you a fan generally of the mockumentary style, though? Yeah, but I think, I think that it did. You know, it's like anything, isn't it? You, 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 any, any kind of sort of genre trend, you, you, they've they've become a lot of copycats, and things kind of get kind of flogged a bit. And I think there were post office. There were too many mockumentary style comedies and i think and you know some of them were kind of almost an excuse for them not to be that funny do you know what i mean it's mm. like oh, they, oh we're not gonna have a laugh to track everything's gonna be very sort of downbeat and um you know naturalistic and stuff like that and sometimes you think well yeah but you still have to put jokes in it yeah and i, and I think that's that's where it kind of the mockumentary format fell down but i mean you know but i love the office and i love this country and I, i'm trying to think if there's any others uh the people um What's the other one? The people do nothing. People that do nothing. nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that. But I mean, it's not laugh out loud funny. <clears throat> kind of some some of them you you admire rather than love. I think. Mm. Mm. So so going on to what you do for a living, 
Um, mm. What made you want to become a journalist and uh, and and write? Um, sort of magazines. Really. I lo- I loved magazines. I lo- fell in love with magazines when I was in my sort of bedroom as a kid. Like when I, I you know, I, lo- I loved Roy the Rovers and and um, uh, that that was probably the first magazine I really loved. And then I, then I loved Doctor Who Monthly. <laughs> <laughs> And then I loved, um, then I got into sort of football and cricket and I loved Wisdom Cricket Monthly and Shoot Magazine and stuff. And then the, the big epiphany when I was about 12 was um, Smash Hits. Right. And I was obsessed yeah. with Smash Hits and I re- used to read Smash Hits from cover to cover, like literally every single word in it. Like I'd read the master, I knew everyone's names. I, I, I was like a massive nerd. And I, and, I, and I think, yeah, and that made me want to work for magazines. And I remember I've got a... One of my friends bought me for my 16th birthday. This is a really tragic story, but he he, he was I was I was borrowing his dictionary, <laughs> and he so he bought me my own dictionary. And he wrote in the front, "I hope this comes in handy in the Just Seventeen or Smash Hits office one day." And then ten years later, I was working in the Just Seventeen office. Wow, wow! So wow. kind of you know, so so it was a sort of weird dream for a teenage boy to have, but uh, but it came true, you know, and and that's. So that's how I got into this. I, yeah, I used to work on magazines, and, and I still still love magazines. I think they're an extraordinary thing. They're a really powerful thing. I think they're kind of like a a sort of club, and 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 you can make someone in a bedroom in a small town feel like they're part of something with a magazine in a way that nothing else does. Mm. So and what... even though the, the medium's kind of dying now because of the internet and stuff in many ways, but mm. it's still that certain magazines I think still have that power. And that's that's what made me fall in love with journalism, really. So, what did you first start writing about? Well, yeah, I start, first started writing about sort of just yeah pop music and stuff. And then I was a kind of um, I was token boy on sort of teenage girls magazine for a while. <laughs> so, I, so I was token boy on Just Seventeen, then token boy on More magazine. They were my kind of first jobs. Um, so yeah, you kind of write about things from the boys' point of view and. You know, there'll always be a little sidebar on an article about anything with kind of the boy's view by me. About <laughs> <laughs> snogging and take that and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The voice of the men, that's what you were. <laughs> I know, that's like, it's such a ridiculous thing. It's like, who elected me spokesman? <laughs> <laughs> so when you're, um, things like pop culture and that that you sort of write about now, are you spending a lot of time watching TV and watching movies and and reading books and that to to keep yourself on? on yeah, the top yeah, mainly TV. I write mainly about TV now, and that's fine by me because it kind of I I love TV and and and, and I think you know it's a cliche, but we're in a golden age of TV. There's like more and more great TV to watch, so it's it's kind of it's a brilliant sort of thing to be working within at the moment. I think, and I, but I still you know I still write about film and music and books sometimes, but kind of less so. But people tend to specialise more as you get older. I think, you know, when I when I was when I was working on Teen Max, you did a bit of everything, but as you uh, as you get older and as the market grows older, you tend to become a you know, you get pigeonholed as an expert in something. And mine is probably T V now. But I still love doing other bits and bobs and um yeah, I just I you know, it's Pop culture is a great thing, isn't it? Mm. It's wonderful. Do you, do you get to pick and choose then what you what you want what you write about? So you're talking about TV and programs. Yeah, yeah, sort of. I mean, some of it depends on what other people want to write about. So I write mainly for the Telegraph, for example, and there are people there queuing around the block to write about Game of Thrones. Mm. 
um, because, partly because a lot of people who don't watch much TV watch Game of Thrones. So, like, you know, people on different departments want to write about Game of Thrones because they love it. So I'm like, OK, I'm not going to write about Game of Thrones then. So, you know, because you've got 20 people to do that. But, you know, only I love Bake Off or only I yeah. love you know, this country. So you kind of find yourself specialising in the things you like a lot of the time, which is kind of quite good, I think. Yeah. So what's the key to becoming a successful um, journalist or writer or whatever you want to call it? Is it is it to be a bit controversial? Is it to be, like, as honest as possible? What way do you get your name known? I think... Um, I, I don't know, just start in journalism. I always tell people the best thing to do is just to read loads and write loads. And that sounds really obvious. But but you'd be surprised how many people who want to get into journalism don't read much journalism. Right. Or or don't, you know, and, and also how they don't write. It's like, I want to be a journalist. I'm like, oh, so what are you writing something now? Like, have you got a blog or, you know, do you run your own little fanzine or do you send things into your local paper or whatever? And they go, no. It's like, Okay, um, you obviously don't love it that much then. So, so, mm. so, just write, read, and write as much as you can. That would be my first bit of advice. But then, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think what you're hinting at there is the sort of um, the growth in sort of con- professional controversy magnet journalism, which there is an element of that now. I think the internet's led to that. The clickbait sort of stuff, mm. isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. And, you know, human trolls like um, mm. Katie Hopkins or Piers Morgan or whoever. Yeah. Um, that's one way of, of becoming known, but that's, I don't think that's that's very sustainable. I don't think that will give you a a long career in journalism. I think that will just make you notorious for a year or two. Um, so I think yeah, the main thing is just to, just to find your passion and 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 then try just try and convey that. I mean, it, you know, it used to really annoy me about TV writing, which is partly why I ended up getting into it. Is that so much of TV writing used to be people who didn't really like TV writing about TV. Right. You know, like that sort of slightly sniffy, often a broadsheet kind of reviewer, kind of like who's sort of deigning to write about TV, like, ooh, you know, and, mm. and, and sort of comparing it negatively to film and theatre the whole time. And that, and that used to wind me up so much. Like, you wouldn't get that in any other genre of journalism. You wouldn't get someone who didn't like cars writing about cars. Mm. Or, yeah, so, and so I think, you know, I think passion is really important. And I think you people can that really comes through people who are passionate and love their stuff, love their medium and, and know it and know their stuff. I think that just seeps through their writing. And I think that's, that's really hard to fake. And I, and I, but I think people really engage with that. Like, you know, someone, I don't know, Mark Commode or something, you know, that that guy knows pretty much everything there is about film and that makes you want to read what he writes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the last TV show that you wrote about that you really didn't like? <laughs> um, there's loads of stuff I don't like because oft, often the Telegraph um, will get me to review stuff like, like you do sort of just last night in TV and, and they pick two programmes and you get very little say in what they are and there's obviously a, there's a lot of rubbish on and sort of the, you know, the, the thing that's really annoying me at the moment is those kind of slightly low rent documentaries or dressed up as lifestyle experiments you know what i mean i will get two kids to swap places or mm. two schools to swap this or and, and 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 they always had this sheen they're always on bbc2 or channel 4 and they had this kind of they they do they always describe themselves as this groundbreaking experiment that will do and it's just p 
people baiting reality TV with pretensions above its own station, really. That's that's the thing that's annoying me at the moment. And, and I've had to watch quite too many of those recently, and, and I've slightly lost my patience with them, I must mm. say. Um, and also, I'm, I'm sort of naming genres that I don't like at the moment rather than specific things, but the, the sort of dramas, nine o'clock dramas, often on ITV, that are kind of that sound like a good idea when you write them on the back of a fag packet and then, but then stretched out over four or six episodes. Just become <laughs> awful. You, you know the ones I mean? I, like, yeah. My wife likes a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. Like a high concept, you know, with loads of twists in them, but like really badly done. And you just end up furious. If you, if you, if you get to the end of it, you're like, I just wasted six hours. Mm. That was Awful. Well, they keep trying to make these must-watch TV things like your bodyguard, your line of duties, and those yeah. sort of thing, and they keep trying and failing miserably. <laughs> There's so That's many really... failures. Well, I think Jed McCurry, who wrote those bodyguard and line of duty, in fact, I've just been writing about line of duty today because um, it's finale season finale on Sunday. Um, I think he does those things really well, but obviously, you know, it's like the mockumentary thing, isn't it? So therefore, loads of other people are trying to do that mm. too, and most of them can't do it. Um, and, you know, there's nothing worse than a sort of gratuitous twist or a kind of ending that you haven't earned. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like uh, I remember, I, uh, again, I, I sort of sound like a horrible name dropper, but there's, there's an American novelist called Harlan Coben. I don't know if yeah, you know him. Yeah. And he writes kind of like sort of quite twisty thrillers that often have a really grabby premise. And, uh, and he was talking to me once uh, about this, and he said that he, he, there's nothing worse than... than not earning the twist you have to earn the twist like you pe- people have the reader has to buy into it otherwise they'll throw the book down furious and i think he's you know he's absolutely right i think you know that if you read a bad novel like you know in that genre and then suddenly at the end it's like oh someone is someone else's secret son or oh they were twins or something that hasn't really the groundwork hasn't been laid and it's really unconvincing it just makes you want to kind of yeah throw the book into the swimming pool around which you're lying reading it do you know what i mean and, and i think some some of those nine o'clock dramas are a bit like that you want yeah. to put your foot through the telly and think oh shut up <laughs> of course yeah. there were them or it's all a dream oh shut up yeah. <laughs> so when you're when you're setting yourself up to do a review do you what what's the process for doing a review do you find out a little bit about who's made the, the program do you watch it two or three times before you write something down? Yeah. You said earlier yeah. on about the fact that, that you, you know, when you watched this country at the start, you might have been in a bit of a foul mood. Does that come into <laughs> it a little bit or? Yeah, sometimes. I, I, but, you know, I think the, the best thing sometimes is to not know much about something before you start watching it because right. that, that often colours your view. It's like, you know, you know, like when you go to the cinema by accident or you kind of go to see something and it's full up and you say you have to go to the thing in the screen next door. And you know absolutely nothing about the film. Some, and sometimes that's really brilliant. Mm. And because you come with no preconceptions or expectations. So, so sometimes that's a good thing to do. But, but in, invariably that doesn't really work because you, it's by osmosis. You kind of know a bit about things before you start watching them. And then, yeah, I just watch it like a punter to start with. Just watch it once through without taking any notes and just sort of, you know, uh, and, and then and and sort and then afterwards I'll drop down a few things and then I'll watch it again and write down proper things and maybe some quotes and stuff and try and formulate some opinions about it. But um, yeah, and then and then I, I just I don't, just try and 
I never I never watch something wanting to dislike it. I think that's a that's a really bad attitude to have. That's a really bad. People don't watch TV like that. I don't think. You know, pe- people's free time is really precious to them. So they don't. People don't go out of their way to what hate watch things. Um, they what they they want to find something really good. And so I, and I think you have to try and adopt that attitude as a journalist as well. It's like you know, it's like film critics go into the you know they sh- a good film critic should go into every film. Mm. thinking this is going to be great I'm, I'm really looking forward to this i'm going to love this and then afterwards if they hate it fine but you don't go in there kind of thinking oh it's a superhero film i can't wait to lay into that because i think you're doing your readers a disservice and and the people who made the film mm. talking of superhero films um and i will just say potential spoilers in case we start really geeking out um <laughs> avengers endgame um as we're recording this um, it's just had its first uh, weekend and has taken $1.2 billion worldwide. Uh, right. I'm assuming you were one of those people that saw the movie. I, I take it you've seen it? I haven't yet. You actually, haven't? No. Oh, right. So no. we will not no, talk no, about no, it no, then. No, you Are you a fan of the Marvel movies? Oh, I'm not. Look. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, 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 I like some of them, but I'm not a kind of fanboy of them. Right. And okay. I, um, like, I... I loved Black Panther and I loved Thor Ragnarok and and I, there's certain ones I've loved but I'm not in any way a completist about them and and I and I and I think I think some of them are pretty shonky actually but I, but I, but I think that um I think it's really clever and I really admire what they've done with the franchise I I, lo- I think it's brilliant the way they built it to this enormous globe conquering crescendo I think it's just brilliant piece of filmmaking but also of marketing and of you know studio running I, th- I think it's amazing to to sort of funnel this enormous multi-film multi-character machine down to this one point i think it's a it's an amazing thing so i will be going to see it but um yeah i'm not i i'm not i'm not really a marvel fan but i i kind of got i think like a lot of people i got sort of superhero fatigue a few years ago right, mm, right. there were just too many films coming out yeah and you know, not just Marvel ones, but sort of DC ones, and and then those kind of other ones. <laughs> they just like just seem to be like this constant. You know, oh, it's Captain America three, it's Ant Man four, it's something else too. It's like, oh, give it a rest. Yeah, and I, and I and I I kind of yeah, I I I, I lost a little bit of patience with it a few years ago, and and but 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 I'm back in now because I'm I, I'm fascinated to see this new one. I mean, is it, is it as good as people are saying? It is fantastic. I can't... We're, we're both big Marvel yeah. fans. Well, Marvel cinema, um, cinematic yeah. universe fans. Yeah. And I've, I'm, I, I've seen it twice um, so far. And I'm just in awe that they have managed, like you say, to funnel it down to this moment. Um, yeah, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? It's, it's like a... I don't know. You, you, I, I'm not sure how planned some of it is. You know what I mean? That's it's, true. It's a, but but it doesn't sort of matter. I think it's just become this amazing pop cultural event that it's just sort of it's it'd be churlish not to admire it and enjoy it. I and think. the thing is, I think if if you're even one percent got some geek or geekness inside you, you will just revel at the glory of some of the scenes that's in the movie. You just will. Yeah. 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 You know, there's one particular scene which obviously we won't spoil it, but I was sat in the cinema both times. I so I knew the second time that it was coming and I had a massive smile on my face, but <laughs> tears streaming down my cheeks. 
Wow. It was it was a mixture of of like all gloriness. I don't know. It's hard to put into 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 words what it is, but it's just it's an amazing thing, and it doesn't feel like three hours long. Well, people who have seen the film know the scene you're referring to. Do you think? I think I I would think so. Yeah, I would think so. So you said you've you've seen it twice so far. Does that mean you're? Oh, I I'll, I'll, I would try and catch it another couple of times. Before I went and saw Force Awakens eleven times in the cinema when that came out, <laughs> I was there was some, I've got an, an emotional bond with that movie for some reason. I don't. I, mean, I love Star Wars as you can see from the shed, but yeah, um, yeah. I've got uh, for some reason that movie just struck me. I think it was just the eight-year-old kid that was mm. inside me when oh, I first saw Star Wars. Yeah, that was the genius of that film, wasn't it? It was. It just. It just. It, it appealed to nostalgists and old mm. people like us in such a really clever way that but without being retro or no. shamelessly nostalgic it just hit all the right notes and buttons and those little moments in it you know completely agree when you first saw the millennium falcon and things like that it was just like wow oh. is there a but, genre... oh sorry michael carry on. Go on i was gonna say is there a genre that you don't like so when you come to review it you you automatically get that sort of back foot a bit, yeah. I mean, probably the one that I is is a sort of structured reality. I can't bear Towie and Made in Chelsea and all that sort of mm. stuff. But yeah, luckily, yeah. I, luckily, I don't have to really engage with that particularly. I mean, it, it, it's the Telegraph never asked me to write about it, and you know, and I I could I only ever write about it if I'm slagging it off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Does the same? Um, I was going to say, does the same apply if it's an actor you, you're not particularly fond of? Does that does that affect things? Not really. I, I, I don't tend to not like particular actors. I don't think. Ooh. Do you? I don't know. Do you? How about you? Do you? Is there one people that you can't? Oh, no, I've said it. I'm <laughs> trying to think now. I'm sure there is. Yeah, because there has been times when I've thought, no, I don't particularly want to watch that. I'm not a big fan of him. I'm I'm sure not... there, there, are, there are there are those actors who. You know the ones who kind of become big and then they they get a kind of golden handcuffs deal from a channel, ITV oh, yeah. quite a lot, and then and and suddenly they've got to be in lo- a certain amount of things a year, and so you know like Martin Clunes will be in like fifteen things a year, and like, you know by the fifteenth one you're kind of like a bit like, it was Clunesy up to now I wonder. <laughs> So there's that, I suppose, sometimes. But no, I don't think... But even then, you know, even even just... That was a random example, but he was brilliant in the thing recently. I don't know if you saw this tr- the true crime thing he was in. It was quite a... No, depart- I didn't. No, I heard a lot about it. I'm, again, my yeah. wife loves those and, kind of yeah. things. So. so just when you think, you know, you've had enough Martin Clunes in your life, then uh, he comes along and surprises you. So, so I don't think it's... No, I don't think it's wise to kind of... To sort of get the hump with people. Like no, yeah, it's almost but, like it's, it's like Nick Cage, isn't it? Nick Cage will will like make twenty movies a year, yeah, and like two yeah. or three will be good, yeah. and the rest of them are just absolute dog crap. Well, they're, <laughs> they're straight to video paychecks, aren't they? they? Are, but I never. Yeah, I, but then um, that, that recent one is supposed to be amazing. I haven't seen it yet, but the, um, I've got it on my screen. I'm going to watch it. The, the, there's a recent sort of. Oh, Mandy. Yeah, Ma- yeah. I'll tell you that is batshit crazy. I will yeah. tell you now. I've I've watched it, and oh, for right. the first forty-five minutes, myself and my wife were going, "What is this? This is the, 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 the like, nothing happened." And then all of a sudden, Nick Cage goes full Nick Cage, <laughs> and it's like because my, my wife had gone to bed by this time. I was sat there with like my mouth open, going, "This is mental. <laughs> this is crazy." 
but it, I, you know, but I, I kind of love him, and and in a kind of weird way, I don't like yeah. any of his films, but I admire the fact that he's there doing yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? And and um, a friend of mine, um, a journalist friend of mine called Hadley Freeman, and if you heard her, she writes a lot for the Guardian, and she's a she's a pretty interviewer, and she did an interview with him when Mandy came out with Nick Cage, and. And he just came across so brilliantly. Like, basically, she's a big fan of his, but like early Nick Cage, right? Like, like many people are, I think. And she just, you know, just said to him, she loved Wild at Heart, and she loved, you know, his, his early stuff, and even like Con Air and stuff like that. And and I don't know, maybe it's because she's a partly because she's a woman that he reacted really well to that. Like, he might not, he might. Have, I could I imagine a scenario where he'd get the hump with a bloke saying that and kind of want to talk about his new film. But he, or maybe he wouldn't, but he totally went with that. And they ended up having this amazing conversation where that was all in the article that, um, where she was like quoting big speeches from Wild at Heart and he was kind of going, yeah, go give it some more. Like, and, going, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like this brilliant celebratory thing. It's really hard to put into words, but you know, I think, I think it's great. The world's a better place with Nick Cage in it. I, yeah. I think he's one of those guys that look like he'd be fun to go and have a drink with. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, you wouldn't know where you'd end up at the end fun of the night. Fun and dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you'd just, you'd just go you'd and have a drink. You'd wake up in Amsterdam like three days later, wouldn't you? Mm. Exactly. I mean, the last time he went on a bender, he uh, he got married, didn't he? We shouted up yes. that annulled. Cause he just got... Do you remember, to go back to TV for a second, do you remember when he, when he did his interview on Wogan? Remember that? Yes, and he came on, did all like the karate kicks and yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, oh, that yeah, was yeah. crazy. That was that, what a moment that was! That because you know they used to like Wogan used to be on, you know, sort of whatever what is three times a week. Three whatever, times a week, it, yeah, yeah. It, it became like this kind of beige wallpaper on on TV. But then every now and again, something incredible would happen on it. Yeah, like that. So they and he kind of goes, yeah, there's this new actor called Nicolas Cage, and then yeah, he just came out and. <laughs> Sort of high kick. Yes, didn't he do like a flip or something as well? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he just, just all over the shop. Jumped off and leather jacket and sort of threw it across the set and and just tossing his hair about and Rogan yeah. just looked terrified. Because the like, thing with Nick Cage, you can't sort of say, "Oh, that was the point where he had his nervous breakdown or something." He's been like that all his <laughs> yeah. career and all his life. You know, right? We're going to have a little bit of a quiz now, Michael. Uh, okay. We're going to play Kerry or Curtain. I'm going to give you a line of dialogue. And all you need to do is tell me whether it was Kerry or Curtin. So we're going to see how much you've studied these episodes now. (laughs) Here we go. Number one. (laughs) Number one. I just find it weird how you can be so close to someone and they can be such a big part of your life. That sounds like Curtin to me. That's Kerry. That's Kerry talking talking about... Oh, he was at the Dinner Double Dinners. I forget her name now. Anyway, yeah, just Maureen. when she no, she's at the other side of the, the she's cleaning the stairs, cleaning the steps, oh, and uh, I've like, forgotten her name. One of the things I really love about this country is is the way that they they obsess about people that they were at school with, or that, or even that they knew for like one term at school, mm. you know, ten years ago. I, yeah. I, I think that's so brilliantly done. Rob, I, I Rob Robinson, so, yeah, really. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such a, and he gets all wistful about what happens to him. Like okay, number two. I like the underdog. Now that's got to be Curtin, isn't it? That was Curtin, yes. He's Ooh. talking about the bounties. Oh, yeah, that yeah. He, he'll have the bounties uh, that, <laughs> that, that, that Kerry won't eat. Uh, number three. That'll be easy because it'll be like punching a turkey. Hmm. 
Curtain again. That is Curtain. He's talking about um, slugs. That he's going to punch slugs. I love slugs. <laughs> we all know we all slugs? love slugs. Have you had slugs on the podcast? Absolutely. Many times. Many, many times. Many times. He's been to both of our live shows as well. Yes, he's a, oh. he's a, a friend of the shed. He, he is. is slugs. Yeah. Um, and get well soon, slugs. He's been in hospital. He's just come out of hospital, hasn't he? he? Has, so yeah, bless he his uh, bless his heart. What's wrong uh, with him? Um, not not entirely sure. Not entirely sure. I think it's just being slugs. Oh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody poured salt on him. Or yeah. <laughs> okay, number four. It became a bit of a joke in the family because the next year we bought him Chicken Run on DVD. Is that Kerry? That is Kerry. Well done. That's uh, three out of four. And what was that? Is that Nugget? That's talking um, about Uncle Nugget, Nugget yeah. Uh, the the Nugget. Uncle Nugget episode, yeah. I think we mentioned it earlier, but that's isn't that one of the one of the peaks? That is, that is a very strong indeed. episode. Uh, and uh, the final one, number five, he sniffed so much glue, his nostrils actually stuck together. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, oh well, that could be any, that could be either because they they both love a kind of urban myth about someone. Um, they do. I want to go curtain. That was Kerry. Oh, that was oh, Kerry. That was in the aftermath when he was touched. She was just uh, just when she was at the the garages. Three out of five. That's not that's bad. That's respectable. Sir. That is that's respectable. That's not bad. Uh, that's sure, sixty percent. That's very you good. Have, like, a Top Gear um, table on your on the wall behind. We you, should yes. do. We should do. I'm not going to go through. Uh, I was just going to say as well. You are episode eighty um, of our podcast. Ah. Which isn't bad for a show that's only had 13 episodes. <laughs> and a comet release special. And a comet release we, I'll tell you, we've, we've so really... What you've got, hang on, you've got like six podcasts out of each episode or something, or seven maybe. Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. We've, we've, d- we've done recaps on every episode. We've done a commentary on every episode. Um, we've done everything. We, we, we've really beat the shit out of this, but I'm telling you. <laughs> what, what's been so fantastic is meeting the, the likes of yourself and, and different people that, uh, with the mutual love of the show and then just finding out about you guys is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure. I, you know, I, I think there's nothing better than, um, than fandom. You mm. know what I mean? There's something really life-affirming and lovely about enthusiasm. Yeah, I and I think with what you said earlier on, that there are... There are certain fan communities now that do go a little bit negative and are, are quite happy to to slag off things and be nasty. And it's nice to have a community where everyone's quite positive about everything, which is quite nice. Yeah, yeah, and, and also, you know, I tell you, what, this country, the, the, the people people love it that I didn't think I, I didn't know loved it. So sometimes I'll be on Facebook or something, and one of my friends that I, I didn't know had ever watched it, I'd never talked about it to, will put a a little kind of gif up of you know whatever normally carries face yeah but <laughs> yeah today it was someone i someone i didn't know had ever watched it and put up a, a, a picture of um you know when martin and um curtain are having that kind of shirtless oh right yeah, uh, yeah. a kind of outside the caravan yeah and he's going on about martin and martin who i love he's, i think he's one of the great kind of you know comedy villains of, of all time the way he just bullshits, and he's, the way he's talking about how he's got this system on the fruit machine that's... That's uh, right. 50 grand a year. <laughs> 50 grand a year, and there's nothing he can do about it. No. Like, well, there is, actually, Martin. He can plug and unplug the machine if he wants to. <laughs> yeah. And you're living in a caravan. Exactly. Um, 
But anyway, the, the, some, I don't know why someone just put that up, and, I, and it just really—I don't know—I I kind of thought, God, this, you know, this country is just sort of reached into corners and touched people in a, in, a, in a in a brilliant way. I think. Indeed. Is there any sort of scenarios you'd like to see in there, or any sort of ventures of Kerry and Curtin? Well. I don't want them to ever go anywhere. I think I think that's that's a mistake that lots of comedies make. Um, you know, they they decide I oh, wouldn't it be fun to have a, you know, it's like the classic thing in the, in the seventies. And I, I, I think you're probably old enough to remember this, like me. But the, 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 they'd always do a movie or a Christmas special where all the characters went on holiday somewhere. Yeah, mm. step to and son, are you being served? Yeah. They all did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. it'd normally be like a sort of resort in Spain, yeah. and it'd normally be absolutely awful mm. because you know because the beauty of you know, sitcoms are so much about confinement and about setting, aren't they? And, and, and mm. you know, and, and so so the, the great thing, one of the great things about this country is that they're, you know, they're trapped in the village. So I don't want them to ever go anywhere. That's my, that's my number one request. Even though you kind of want them to in some ways, you're kind of willing them to escape and find this better life. You kind of, I'd like them to do that, but I don't want to watch it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I can. I, I imagine the last episode of this country, if it ever happens, God forbid, would be Kerry and Curtin going off to pursue their dreams. But the, the, the show should end right there, I think. Yeah. He, I don't want to see Curtin in London being a male model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TK Maxx model. Because yeah. I always said it'd be quite fun. I mean, they live... Um, it's all set, basically, where we're recording now. I always mm. thought it'd be fun for them to have a day trip to like somewhere like Western Supermare. Because it's the sort of thing that would happen, um, you know. But you don't want to. You don't want to see them go to. Yeah, you don't want to see them go to Ibiza on holiday. No, no, certainly no. not. I, I, and I also, I mean, I think one of the main things I ever wanted from the show was for Kerry to see Martin for what he is, and for him to sort of show himself up, and for her to suddenly realise. And I think that happened, didn't it? Yeah, yeah in a way, it did. It's just going to be interesting in if they do broach the subject in series three of what happens when he comes back, whether she yeah. still knows that or whether she shrinks back into her shell as she does when he's around. I think she probably will. But, but, but at the same time, I, you know, I think that it was, there was something really satisfying about that. You kind of, you kind of, I kind of found myself cheering. When that yeah. Mm, yeah. And you know, that, that Satan's fingers turn around <laughs> when she thought it was like two Martins, wasn't it? There was like, that's right. Good Martin, little Martin, and oh, oh no, big Martin. Yeah. No. And, and the, the look on her face, I think, was such a. I think that's one of the really brilliant things about their writing is it, it just you kind of forget it's a comedy sometimes. It becomes mm. a drama, and just just in little moments like that. Yeah. And then they get back in the car and start singing on to David Gray, and it's a comedy again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and start singing Ten Black Spiders hanging on the wall and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what have you got coming up then, Michael? What are you writing about at the moment? Well, Line of Duty, really, because, yeah, as I said, it's it's the... I don't know if you... Have you been watching that? I have. This man needs to watch it. I've yeah, been see, telling I've, him time and time again. Because my wife watches every single police drama around. If I sit yes. down with her, I'm sort of going, which one's this? Oh, this is such and such. <laughs> and, and I just... It's like, like you said about Wogan with being beige, it just all sort of melds into one. So I never know whether it's a good one or a bad one. It's just another police drama. And I've had so many people say to me, you need to watch Line of Duty from the start. Mm. And yeah. so I, prob I probably will. But there's so much TV. That's the trouble. There's there so is, much good stuff. What I say to people is is, is that it's, it's refreshingly short. You know, these days of like, 
you know, films getting longer and TV shows getting longer. But it's like the first series is five episodes and all the ones since are six. So right. you could catch up. With, you could watch. You could binge Line of Duty in a week. Right. So it's how like, many series is there now? Five. There's five. So right. there's there's like 20-something episodes. So do you know what I mean? And it, and it just... You'd and s- Sunday night's episode's an hour and a half or something. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's a feature-length finale. And um, so, yeah, I've been writing a lot about that because it's... Uh, I don't want to give anything away, obviously. But... A lot happens, <laughs> so so I've basically written. I've got to write four articles about it, which right. is ridiculous. So that's that's been my day and will be my day tomorrow because it's, uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, you can't say anything, <laughs> can you? Do you, do, you get to see, do you get to see it early so you can yeah. review it? You do. Yeah. yeah, but I but I've had to sign lots of things, lots of it. There's lots oh, of notes and stuff because it's because particularly with these these big kind of sort of tentpole BBC series that, that they, they they hate spoilers, basically. Mm. And someone somewhere will spoil it. And but yeah. I, don't want it, I don't want it to be me. Well, it's no. a bit like the Endgame film. Yeah. It, this line of duty and sort of Game of Thrones. You, you don't want to be told what's no. happening. You want to find it out yourself. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And it's like, you know, they, they, they always say that the, the people in line of duty and the three kind of lead actors, people come up to them all the time and sort of say... Oh God! What's going to happen? You know, who's H or you know, is so and so bent? And then, and the minute they start opening their mouths, they're not going to say no, obviously. But even when they go to say something vague, the person goes, "No, no, don't tell me! I don't want to know." Yeah, so people mm. think they want to know, but they never do. No. And, and no one ever thanks you for a spoiler, do they? You no. know, <laughs> there, 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 there's always some numpty on Twitter trying to spoil something. And oh yeah, that's what Twitter is for. It's for the yeah. num- it's for the numpties. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, Michael, thank you very much for spending some time with us. It's been a real fascinating <laughs> insight into the sort of things that we read, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we're always looking for stuff to read and that. So thank you very much. It's been a thank real pleasure you, to talk to you. No, it's been really good fun. And, um, yeah, I, I, I love what you guys do. So, yeah, keep doing it. Thank you thank very you. much. Neil, would you like to do a little bit of housekeeping? Let's right. see if you can get it right yes, this week. Yes, let's do it. We, we've been on a little bit of a run. You've been on a little bit of a run. Let's see if you can keep it going. Yes, so we're on all the social medias. We are on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, under WTAF This Country. Well done. We've got a website, which is WTAFpodcast.com. Well done. We've got an email. You can talk to us or chat to us or send us anything you like. Well, within reason. <laughs> WTAF, this country at hotmail.com. Oh, my goodness, me. Boom. <laughs> he's like We're an actor and he's learnt his lines. That's very good. It's only taken you 80 episodes to get it right, but there you go. Round of applause coming from a shed in London. There you go, look at that. And also, uh, if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash WTAF. We have loads of um, signed Mm. uh, goodies uh, there for different amounts of money uh, each month. Just helps us out. That's wonderful if you could help us there. Also, check out our new podcast, uh, Pavo and Neil Chat About, uh, where we just discuss the things that are on our minds every week. You can go to iTunes and all places like that and all that sort of stuff's up there. Uh, And leave us a rating and a review and subscribe to the podcast. That would be wonderful. Thank you once again, Neil. Thank you, Pav. Thank you once again, Michael. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you. And thank you very much for listening. And go and get plumbed, you fuckers. (laughs) Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck?
Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal.